Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Texas Values Report. My name is Mary Elizabeth Castle. I'm the Director of Government Relations for Texas Values, and I'm so glad to be sharing with you right after the first legislative session of the 88th legislative session. Wow, did we achieve so many great things this legislative session. And one of those great things was passing the Save Women's Sports Bill for college women athletes, something that has been a priority for us ever since the last session. And we're so excited that female athletes in the state of Texas are now protected from kindergarten all up until college to make sure that their rights, their privacy, uh, their championships and their scholarships are protected. And I have the perfect host to help celebrate with me in Texas Values today, Riley Gaines. If you don't know Riley Gaines, you must be living under a rock. She is a rock star going around the country talking about this issue. Uh, she's an NCAA champion, All-American in swimming. And a very sad story is that she literally had a trophy taken out of her hands from a male swimmer uh, who became infamous for stealing women's opportunities in sports. So thank you so much for coming on, Riley. It's so great to have you on our radio show again. Of course, it's great to be on, especially when it's surrounded by good news. So I'm grateful to be on. Thank you, Mary Elizabeth. Yes, and good news we do have. Uh, SB 15, would you help us uh, work so hard on to make sure it passed this legislative session is headed to the governor's desk. So yesterday we heard that the Speaker of the House did sign off on it on the changes uh, that were made that are good. And it's on its way uh, to becoming law very soon. Uh, and if you understand the legislative process, you know that once it's signed into law, it goes into effect September 1st. So that means beginning September 1st, Texas colleges can't have these men and women's locker rooms or men and women's sports. So we're very excited about that. Well, Riley, we've had you on our show for many times and many people are aware of your story and you did such an excellent job at our event in Fort Worth talking about your story. But I think something that, you know, a lot of us don't really uh, know about you is like why you chose swimming. So your father's a NFL player, former NFL player. Your mother played softball. What made you decide to swim? Growing up, I did the typical thing that a lot of kids do, and I played a lot of different sports, whether that be soccer, basketball, softball, I even did horse riding for a little bit. So I did it all. Um, but really what stuck out to me were swimming and softball. And so those are the two sports that I played all the way through high school, pretty much. And it finally, my junior year of high school, it became time I had to pick a sport because I realized it's hard to spend all your time into one when you have so many other things going on. It was hard to continue improving, um, especially when I knew the level I wanted to compete at, which was the highest level. And I knew, of course, I couldn't do that in both of those sports. And so I really thought I was going to play softball. Sorry, softball players listening to this, but it's because softball was easier. <laughs> you didn't have to hold your breath the whole time for multiple hours a day. Um, so I thought I was going to play softball, but then kind of on a whim, I decided, you know what, maybe I'll try this whole swimming thing. And I'm very fortunate that I did. Um, my junior year, that's when I began being recruited for different schools. And with, as you mentioned, my, my dad, he was an SEC football player. I'm super excited that Texas is joining the SEC this year. So now I, I, I guess I'm allowed to say that the SEC is definitely the best conference without the, without the listeners getting mad at me. Um, 
So I knew I wanted to stay in the SEC. And so ultimately I chose the University of Kentucky to further my swimming career, my academics. Um, they had some amazing resources that I just, I felt really drawn to the school, to the university, to the coaches, the team. Um, I loved it. And truthfully, I couldn't have had a better experience there. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I think during this debate and when we're talking about uh, you know, protecting women's sports, you know, not just talking about the hard work, but just the passion that you have for the sport that you play, um, you know, to take that away from someone is very detrimental. And so we want to make sure we protect that at all costs. Um, and you discussed several times, you know, your story with Leah Thomas, Will Thomas, um, and that whole situation. But you know, a lot of young women didn't step up, you know, they haven't, you know, done some of the work that you've done. So what really inspired you to become a crusader, you know, to protect Title IX and protect women's sports? A couple different things. Um, one, first of all, more than anything is my faith. Um, being a Christian, I think it's, I really realized what was happening. Not only were we just denying biological truth and biological reality, we were denying biblical truth and what God says to be man and woman. And so that's that's a big part of it too. I of course was able to think about those women who came before me, who fought for my opportunities to compete. Um, of course, Title IX, it was enacted in 1972. It's the 51st anniversary, which is, it seems like a long time, but it's it's really, it's really not. You know, our grandmas and, and my grandma in her same lifetime, she saw the benefits of Title IX. She fought for those benefits. And now she's seeing those being taken away. And so I, I thought of those women. I also, of course, thought of the next generation, my little sister. Um, I just got married and I can only hope one day that I have a daughter of my own. And I couldn't imagine being in the position that I was in, seeing what I saw, feeling what I felt, seeing how it affected every girl at that meet and not fighting for the next generation. Um, my little sister, she's a phenomenal athlete. Um, which follows suit with the rest of my family. Um, but she does gymnastics. She's the Tennessee state champion. And I, I literally cringe at the thought of her having to undress in front of a man. And so fighting for her, um, but also, of course, the past and the future female athletes, but also the present female athletes who are silenced, who are intimidated, they're threatened. They're essentially, they're gaslit into either one silence or two, feeling like they should apologize for feeling uncomfortable, feeling like they're wrong because they don't want a man to compete next to them in the lane next to them, which is what we're seeing all across the country, which is why I'm so glad that this bill in Texas is on the last step, um, which I know it will get through because Governor Abbott has said that this is something that is a priority for him, um, which is a blessing. But the way these universities have handled this situation, especially again, in my own experience in regards to Leah Thomas and what that looked like among college campuses and, and how the administrations were handling it, it's, it's truly worse than the fairness in women's sports piece. This is the freedom of speech issue that this is, that this is brought about. Um, and again, that's not just in sports. We're seeing this happen in sororities. We're seeing this happen in prisons. We're seeing this happen in shelters. We're seeing this across the board of this systemic erasure of women. And if you disagree with it or if you speak up about it, then you're a bigot. And so really just seeing all this kind of unfold before my eyes, I realized what was at stake if someone didn't stand firm in the truth. 
Um, and now, of course, I realize courage is contagious. And I've seen an army of both men and women stand alongside me and really be bold and, and say the truth, um, which is a blessing. But we still, of course, we always need more of that. We always need people to stand firm in the truth. Absolutely. I think that's an important part of the discussion when you talk about the future generations. If little girls are at home and they're watching TV and they see someone like Will Thomas playing in women's division, or if they just go to their own sporting practice or event or tryout and they see that a boy who is naturally stronger, um, faster is competing, then they will just stop trying. And we don't want that. Like you said, Title IX uh, ensured that women would have that opportunity. It was funny, we actually honored a legislator who's been serving since 1972 in the Texas House. And one of the things they talked about is, you know, when she started serving, there were so many opportunities that women didn't have back then. I thought, oh, also like not being able to play sports. Uh, so to go back 50 years um, and to deny women that opportunity um, is just wrong. And I think that's something we can all agree on as Americans. It's something we can agree on in our faith. Um, so we just really hope that these laws are put in place to make sure we don't go backwards. But another thing you mentioned too is the First Amendment problem, how women are being silenced and even parents uh, friends of female athletes are being silenced as well. So I wanted to go into some of the myths and try to have you debunk those because there are a lot of myths out there uh, that the other side tries to pit against either our legislation or female athletes speaking out. And one of those is that uh, what happened to you was a one-time incident. We heard in a lot of testimony, even at the Texas Capitol, oh, this doesn't happen, it's not happening in Texas, or you just heard of Leah Thomas because he was on the news. Uh, can you talk about the many instances before Leah Thomas and even recently, because we're seeing a lot of stories in the media of more men competing in female divisions. Can you talk about these recent incidences of men competing in women's sports? Absolutely, and this is something that truly I could list hundreds of examples across hundreds of different sports. It's happening across the country, all levels, all ages, all sports. Recently, we've seen an influx of this happening in cycling. Um, and because of this, we have Austin Killips. We have a male who was formerly Wesley and now is Leslie. Um, we have Veronica Ivy. We, there's so many in cycling, I can't even keep up with the names. Um, wow. Again, all over the country, these races. And the big problem here not only are these, these males taking opportunities away from women, they're taking prize money, um, especially when you're competing at the pro or the amateur level. This is, this is how these women, this is their income. This is how they make money. Then we have men left and right. This, this male, Austin Killips, he just took $35,000 away from a deserving woman. Um, and again, this is their income. This is how they're able to provide. And these men are taking that away from women. Um, recently, just actually this past weekend, we've seen this in track and field. In California, we had two men, uh, two young boys, this was high school level, compete in the women's high school track and field state championships, um, which is abysmal. Two of the 24 spots were taken by males. Both of these males qualified, but I think there was a lot of public, um, kind of some public attention brought to this and so neither of these males competed they took the spots yet they didn't show to their race um which 
is a blessing. Maybe they realize that they, of course, possess this unfair advantage and that it was wrong for them to compete. But at the same time, they already took those spots away from women. They still, you know, caused two women to miss out on, on competing at that level. And these aren't, these aren't amateurs. These are women who are qualified. Um, one of the girls she's competing at Cal University of California, Berkeley next year. Um, so again, this is happening all over. It's happening in disc golf where the same problem is they're taking prize money. It's happening in soccer. I could list um, multiple male soccer players who are competing at the collegiate level even. Um, same with lacrosse. It's happening at Syracuse, University of Southern California. It's happening at a D3 university in diving um, called Colby College. Um, so it's happening all over. It really is. So to believe the lie that it's a non-issue or that my story is unique could not be further from the truth. I get messages every day, every single day from parents, from female athletes, from coaches who don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle this. So it's happening all over. Yeah, that's incredible in a negative way that we're seeing this basically be explosive that you're seeing men and women's sports. And there was an interesting article in USA Today the other day about an ESPN commentator, Sam Ponder, about her speaking out against this and that news medium completely turning that on its head and saying fairness is bigotry. And so you're seeing all of this happening where so many women are silenced. So many times the narrative is flipped. But if you think about common sense and what we all share in our values, uh, having this happen is wrong. Now, you've been very instrumental and key and an essential part of us getting legislation passed in Texas. But I'm not sure if our listeners and viewers know about some of your national work and how you're going from state to state. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your Save Women's Sports efforts at the national level, you know, how you've been going to Congress talking about this issue, uh, how you met with Speaker Kevin McCarthy of the U.S. House of Representatives. Can you talk about those opportunities and those experiences and share how you're working at the national level? Absolutely. Um, as you mentioned, this, of course, I think Texas is crucial, first and foremost, because Texas has been a leader among so many issues. Um, and I, I know we can list them off the top of our head, including the heartbeat law. You guys have been foundational um, on a lot of different things. And so that's why Texas needs to get this done. Also, Leah Thomas, Will Thomas is from Texas, which is another piece of why I think Texas is so important. Um, but I have been, I've been traveling state to state to try and get as many states to pass this, to protect women and girls and their privacy and their safety and their opportunities. Thus far, there have been 21 or 22 states that have passed some sort of bill very similar to Texas. Um, I believe with Texas joining on, there will be 16 protecting the collegiate level, which is great news. But as you mentioned, of course, the federal level. Um, obviously, Title IX, as we mentioned, it's a federal civil rights law. Um, the administration that we have in the White House right now is actively working to rewrite that to rid women of these opportunities. Um, it's supposed to prevent discrimination on the basis of sex among college campuses, but what they want to do is rewrite it to where it's preventing discrimination on the basis of gender identity on college campuses. So what this means is men could join sorority, men could join, uh, or men would have full access to any bathroom, restroom, locker room, any one sex protected space on campus, men would have access. They could take academic and athletic scholarships away from women, they could live in dorm rooms with women and you could do absolutely nothing about it. 
And so really just trying to highlight this, this message that the Biden administration is trying to send to, to girls and women across the country, trying to show what this really is. Of course, we saw in the U.S. House of Representatives a few weeks ago, um, a very similar bill to what Texas passed was introduced on the House side, um, which would essentially mean you compete with your biological sex. No one is banned. Everyone can compete, but you just compete where it's fair and where it's safe, which doesn't seem as if it should fall along party lines, but it did. Um, every single House Republican voted in favor of protecting women and girls in sports, and every single, all 203 House Democrats voted in opposition of protecting women and girls in sports. Wow. And this was for me, when I saw this being so polarized, like it had not one Democrat voted to protect women and girls in sports. Wow. And these are mothers, these are fathers of young girls, yet they, they're trying to say they wouldn't care if their daughter undresses in front of a male, a male undresses in front of their daughter, that's something they're okay with. And that's when I was really eye-opened and I realized the bigger problem here. Um, defining the word woman, <laughs> which sounds so silly, but just a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, um, I went back down to DC and I stood alongside a number of representatives, um, a few from Texas, they were great, in introducing the Women's Bill of Rights. What this bill is, is exactly what I had mentioned. It just defines the word woman as adult human female. Um, and this is a term that would be codified in all pre-existing legislature and legislature to come. So there's no interpretation for the word woman anymore. Um, if we can get this passed, Representative Debbie Lesko, she's who introduced it. And I was honored to stand alongside her as she did. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, that opportunity to take this issue to our federal government and make them realize that they have to hold true to what they passed back in 1972 is amazing. But it's also sad to learn that, unfortunately, the political rhetoric is that it's so divided that you have to forget what a woman is completely um, in order to be with a particular party. This should just be a common sense issue. But thank you so much for your work across United States on this issue. And I know we're running close on time and, you know, we could talk on forever about this issue, but don't fret if you're listening to this, you'll get to see Riley again, if you live in Texas at our event in Conroe on June 16th. So she'll be able to share more then. But before we close, I, I wanted you to share just number one, uh, why having SB 15 in Texas is so important, which you kind of already touched on. And number two, a fun question. What is your favorite thing about Texas so far since you've been here several times in the past year? SB 15 is crucial, um, as I mentioned, for many reasons, one of which, if you think about how many events, college NCAA events are hosted in Texas, including the Final Four that just recently happened not too long ago, um, having this done in Texas would prevent any college um, regardless of where you compete in the country, in the state of Texas, there will be no competition where men are allowed to compete on the women's teams, which is huge considering how big Texas is, how many events are held there. Again, the Will Thomas being from Westlake High School, I think close to Austin is a huge draw in for me and why this is important. Um, I recently talked to a mom in Texas who told me her daughter not too long ago had five boys competing on her middle school basketball team. Wow. The starting five were all boys. Oh, wow. um, so just knowing how big the state is, how many kids live there, crucial to get it done. Um, my favorite thing about Texas thus far, it's gotta be the people, really. And I know that sounds cliche. Um, I'm from Tennessee where this 
very similar where these issues, um, the people here, we know common sense, we have brains, we're strong in our faith. We know this is silly. It's crazy we even have to come have this conversation. And we know that here in Tennessee. And I love that the feel I get in Texas is the exact same way. I also love the cowboy hats and I love the cowboy boots. <laughs> and so it's really awesome being there. Mary Elizabeth, I just want to thank you and your team at Texas Values for day in, day out, so many more issues than just this one, putting in the time, putting in the effort, being on the front lines of this. Not just are you guys doing the work behind the scenes, you are in the Capitol building every single day fighting for girls like myself, fighting for the people in Texas, fighting for Americans. And so I am so, so grateful for the work that you all do. Well, thank you so much, Riley. We really appreciate that. And that's why we call ourselves Texas Values, because we know Texans value these issues. They value um, religious liberty, pro-life. We value protecting our daughters. We value privacy. We value uh, these things that we stand for. And, you know, that's what we believe makes Texas great. So thank you so much for joining us, Riley. And we'll see you very soon on June 6th. Um, and we're very excited about that event. And we're very excited about SB 15 headed to the governor's desk. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Now, before we go off today, I have a few things to share. Some very exciting things, too, for the month of June. We have several events across the state where we'll do a legislative recap, uh, but you'll also get to hear from very great speakers. Our first event will be June 9th in San Antonio at Cornerstone Baptist Church. You want to be sure to get tickets to that event. We'll be joined by Senator Donna Campbell, who passed SB 14, which protects children from gender modification surgeries, and a member of Governor Abbott's team, Steve Munisteri. So if you want to go to that event, be sure to visit txvalues.org and go to the events page so you can purchase a ticket. And this is the one I'm really excited about. On June 16th, we'll have another opportunity to hear from Riley Gaines where she can go into more detail about her experience, about what she's doing for the Save Women's Sports issue. And of course, it'll be a celebration because SB 15 uh, hopefully will be signed by that time. So June 16th in Conroe, Texas. So if you're in that area, I even encourage you, if you're just in Dallas or even in Austin, please come to Conroe on June 16th in order to hear Riley Gaines. You'll get to meet her as well, and you'll get a legislative wrap-up from our team. And in order to go get a ticket for that, you go to txvalues.org events, and you'll be able to purchase a ticket for that as well. As I said, we just finished up our legislative session. We achieved many great things this session, and it's because of your support. And if you find value in our work at Texas Values, please visit txvalues.org and consider making a donation. But some of those things, if you can't keep up uh, with all of the things that we did because we did a lot. Uh, number one, passing the same women's sports law. Number two, making sure that children are protected from these harmful procedures that are irreversible, from cutting off healthy body parts, from puberty blockers, hormones, all of these things that they're being forced to do by doctors and the medical community before their brains are even fully developed, 
we are making sure that that is outlawed in Texas. And the news is getting around because these clinics that are doing this in Texas, they're already closing, uh, even though the ink isn't even fresh on the bill from the governor signing it. And the infamous doctor who testified last session in support of gender modification surgery of kids in the Dallas area, she's already packed her bags and is leaving the state. So we're very excited about this bill having such a big impact um, on our state and protecting our children uh, already in the state of Texas. Also, we passed a bill to make sure kids are protected in the library, in school libraries. HB 900 was passed to make sure obscene library materials are not in the hands of our kids. We also passed different measures for religious liberty, giving chaplains the opportunity uh, to be in schools. And of course, Texas remains pro-life. That's not something we have forgotten about here at Texas Values. Yes, like even Riley mentioned, passing the heartbeat law was monumental for our state. And we even believe passing the heartbeat law led to uh, some momentum in getting Roe versus Wade overturned last summer. But we are still pro-life and we were able to pass SB 24, which makes sure that these pregnancy resource centers, close to 300 in the state, can fund uh, these programs to help women and children. And so we're very excited about that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the Texas Values Report. As I said, my name is Mary Elizabeth Castle, Director of Government Relations, and tune in next time for great content on your values.